and welcome to the Travel Agent Interview. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I'm pleased to have my husband, Joe, with me. Welcome, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you can be on again with us. And uh, today we're going to talk about specifically attire and entertainment on the Queen Mary 2, and I'll cover ladies, you can cover gents, and we'll just briefly address kids, and if you want to hear more about that, you can listen to episode one. But uh, to start off in our typical fashion, I'm going to start with a technology minute, and I just want to give a shout out and a big thank you to Bright Bear Technology in California. I was having problems with my website and uh, versus the podcasting host company, and it just I couldn't get things to work right, and I just gave them my credentials and described the problems I was having. Then we got on the cruise ship, and by the time I got off, everything was working, so Thank you so much to Bright Bear Technologies. It's brightbear.com, B-R-I-G-H-T-B-E-A-R.com, and they are in Irvine, California. And their goal is to help you do what you do best. So they do the technology so that you can keep doing what your business does best. And I have to say that um, they it's true. They I hire them for my father's business. I've hired them for a couple other businesses. And every time, it's a quick turnaround and they're really competitively priced. So go ahead and give them a, a shout-out if you have a technology need. And it's another great reason to take a cruise. You step on the ship, and all your problems just get solved. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Well, I have one more update, and that is to talk about the trips that uh, our past guests are hosting, and that is specifically Matthew Walgren's Amazon River Cruise, Chow Bella, which is the sisterhood uh, for for of lady travelers? They have their trip to Italy coming up in 2018, which is themed "Live with Gusto." Stephanie Scott, who does the active bike and barge tours, has her German Castles tour up. All of these are on the calendar, and how you can contact uh, the hosts and how you can get on their uh, trips for 2018. And as a note, uh, specifically Stephanie's, and I know maybe Matthews are already more than halfway sold out. And lastly, uh, I want to mention the wine cruise for 2018 with Martha and Keith that goes from Maine to Canada, and that I know they only have a couple spots left. So if you want to find information about those or all of them quickly, see them on the calendar altogether, I have them on the calendar on the Facebook page, so Travel Agent Interview on Facebook. All right, babe, let's get to this uh, cussing and discussing about the attire and uh, entertainment on the Queen Mary. But first, it's been a week since we've been on the ship. What are you missing most about the Queen Mary 2? Well, I'd like to say it was the food or the ocean or some other exotic part of the trip. But really, we just moved to a new country. We have a lot to do. And doing it with two small children is really difficult. I really miss the child care. It was wonderful, not not just to drop them off and have someone else be responsible for them, but to drop them off at a place they wanted to go, where there were kid activities for them to do, was just really enjoyable for all of us. And in the current phase of our life, it's just hard to budget in uh, things that are fun for the kids. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to go with for my missing also, because we go out to eat a lot right now because we're in transit, we're looking for cars, we're looking for houses, cell phone providers, all of those things, and so we're eating on the go a lot. And right now I get up and we go out to a restaurant, and I just think, wow, that was a perfectly good waste of makeup because I was just running around chasing my children or trying to get them to eat whatever I ordered them. Whereas on the Queen Mary 2, we sent them to the child care program, which is The Zone, which you can hear more about in episode one. 
and then we got to eat a two-handed hot meal, have quiet conversation with our wonderful neighbors, and um, yep, I'm missing that greatly. And room service, that was nice too. That was pretty nice. All right, babe, let's talk about attire for the ship. Um, This is one of the more, and I should say probably the most formal cruising ships out there. And um, this is, I think, intimidating to a lot of people because they know this about the Queen Mary too. But it's meant to be fun. It's kind of a blast from the past, throwback, step into history and experience that culture. And for Americans and for specifically ladies who love to watch bonnet movies, I am one of them. This is a really neat opportunity to experience some of that. Uh, Not quite as old as most of the Bond movies, but still that nice British culture of getting dressed for dinner, etc. And I think that um, you should be encouraged to go on this cruise uh, without being worried about the attire in the sense that you can prepare for it. And if you don't want to get dressed up for dinner, there, there are alternative options. So, babe, would you talk to us a little bit about men's attire? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to second everything that you said. I think uh, I really enjoyed the the um, sort of getting dressed up part of it. Um, I like the dress code. I thought it was fun. Uh, but I think uh, I think there are options for everyone. Um, so for men, they're very clear. And I, and I actually looked around and I thought most people abided by the dress code pretty well. Um, so they're specific about the times and also the places where the dress code applies. So on our seven-day um, seven crossing, there were three formal nights. And formal is, uh, is defined as either a tuxedo, a dinner jacket, or a dark suit with tie. And then informal nights is defined as um, a jacket with tie optional. And um, those restrictions only apply in uh, the formal restaurants. So the main dining facility, the main dining restaurant where you have a standing um, seating every night, or a couple of other options that you can uh, dine there instead of your normal dinner table. And so if you decided on formal night that you wanted to wear a t-shirt and jeans, you can absolutely do that. You just aren't supposed to dine in the formal dining room. You would go to the buffet or go to go to the pub or one of the other uh, dining options. So I thought, regardless of the day, regardless of the dress code, there was sort of a full gamut of opportunities for people. And so I, I really appreciated that. Um, what I tried to do, just because I like to be one of the better dressed people in a room, um, is at six o'clock I would try to be try to be dressed for that evening. So even though our our seating time wasn't until eight thirty. At 6 o'clock, we were dropping off kids, so sometimes I didn't get there by 6.30, but I like to be out of the room wearing whatever the attire was, jacket, no tie, or or the full dark suit with a bow tie, which is what I did for formal nights. Yeah, and during the day, there's not really a dress code, but for men, you know, typically, I think Joe got shamed by the captain. They made eye contact one time because he was wearing flip-flops rather than some sort of closed-toed casual shoes. So. Well, now listen, I'd like to defend myself. <laughs> It was early in the morning, early by our standards. We mentioned in episode one that the kids stayed up very late, but also were able to sleep very late because we had a dark interior cabin. So at about 8.30 in the morning, the rest of the family was still sleeping. I would sneak out and try to bring back some food from the buffet for the kids when they woke up and also a couple of coffees for me and Megan. Um, And it was on one of those excursions where I couldn't get dressed in the room because everyone was asleep. So I snuck out in shorts and flip-flops and a T-shirt. And uh, the captain saw me in his full naval-looking uniform, Um, and he seemed to look down on me just a little bit, and I regretted that moment. But we should give a shout-out to the captain, Captain Stephen Howarth. He was wonderful, and he was previously, I think, Merchant Marine for for United Kingdom, so it was a pleasure to meet him on the ship. 
Um, also, uh, I will speak about ladies' day, ta- day attire and then evening attire. During the day, um, capris are a great option because you don't know if it's going to be sunny or if it's going to be cloudy. And the temperature, I think, remains pretty constant, but the sun will really affect how you feel outside. And people really enjoy sitting out on deck seven or on their own balcony or taking a walk around the dock, or around the dock, excuse me, around the deck. And um, I think capris are probably the perfect choice because if you're wearing a dress, it's a little blustery. I packed a lot of leggings to wear under my dresses and that worked out really well. But um, resort wear, as far as, you know, really billowy Caribbean type dresses, they're just not really going to work. I saw a couple gals in those early on in the cruise and then not again after that because I think it was just um, too windy on the North Atlantic for them. But during the day, I mean, look at, if you want some samples, just, I mean, look at a JGL catalog or Land's End canvas or something along those lines, something nautically themed. That's pretty much what you're going for in the daytime with some comfortable shoes because you are going to do a lot of walking on the ship. And as far as evenings go, in the, what they would call informal, they wouldn't say casual, but informal, uh, ladies, uh, they say stylish separate. So maybe a business suit or something you would wear to work or maybe a dress that you would wear to church. So uh, that's pretty much, you know, a casual dress would do it for dinner. And then formal nights, I mean, that is like if you if you have been wanting to buy a prom gown for a while that you keep seeing at Dillard's or Macy's or Lord & Taylor or something like that, this is the occasion to do that. And there were some pretty impressive dresses. People really like to, you know, do it up, and they looked fantastic. And that meant different things for different people. So some people, they're getting dressed for formal night was their, you know, church-style dress or something. And it, it's fine. It's fine. They'll let you in, no problem. But um, they're, I think they're probably a little more strict for the men. Like, you're going to have to have that jacket on. You're going to have to have either the tux on or the jacket or the suit. But, um, yeah, I, th- I wouldn't be intimidated by it. It was fine. And then um, uh, I think I think that's pretty much it. Although I'll, I will say that... We never saw anyone walking around in a bathing suit. That's pretty much not going to happen on the ship. It's a little more conservative. They do provide you with really nice bathrobes. So if you want to go to the pools, it's appropriate to get in your bathing suit, put your fantastic bathrobe, they even give you slippers, uh, wear those to the pool deck, and then go swimming, put your robe back on, and then go back to your room. So um, other than that, I think that's pretty much what I have to say about attire. Yeah, the only other thing I'll say for the men is that I did notice some men near, that sat near where we were sitting where their dress from the informal nights to the formal nights didn't change at all. They, they wore a dark suit with a tie on the informal night because ties were optional, uh, and then they wore a dark suit with a tie on the formal night. So if you're intimidated by what and say, well, I don't have a tux, I don't, I don't have a dinner jacket, that's fine. I don't either. I wore a dark suit um, and got along just fine. So, um, so don't let the, the dress code intimidate you. We thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and there really is a spectrum there for, for everyone. So it, it just depends on what you want to do. And uh, and I think regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, you can have a great time on the crossing. Yeah, and you can rent a tuxedo on the ship. There are not ladies' dresses for rent, but there are tuxedos for rent if men would like that. And they have um, kind of a standard listing of sizes for jackets and suits. Uh, I think they go from like something like a, a 30 to, a, to maybe 45 or 46 in the jacket and then probably similar in the pants. But um, we, we thought about it for Joe, but then we kind of looked at the suit and thought, well, maybe this is, it just looked like maybe it wasn't the first choice. So uh, anyway, maybe next time we'll, we'll just purchase a tux for Joe because I think he'd look good. 
I should mention, sorry to drag on the discussion of the way people were dressed, we saw a number, it was a small number, but we did see a number of people in formal military attire, which oh, yeah. I always enjoy seeing, um, that we saw uh, at least U.S. Air Force, U.S. Army, I think it was Canadian Army, and then uh, U.S. Navy and British Royal Navy. So those are the ones I could identify, there were probably a couple others that, that, I, uh, that I missed. Um, but that was cool to see. Many of them were retired. Um, this is just a cultural thing, but a number of active duty British officers wore their mess uniforms, um, but the Americans that we met were all retired who are wearing the uniform. So if you fall into one of those categories and you want to wear your military formal attire, um, that was uh, that was certainly present on the ship for a small minority of passengers. And the other thing that was really neat on the formal nights was that uh, people who have a heritage that involves a tartan or a kilt would wear their, like, a tux jacket with a kilt or their tartan made into a tuxedo pant with a satin striped on the side. They were really neat, and we wanted to ask some of them about it, but they were they were good to their lady guests, and they were being attentive, and we didn't want to interrupt their conversation. But, uh, yeah, Formal Night is a great option to people watch, and, and the captain's um, cocktail party was a great was a great option too. So, anyway. That's we also we talked about going up to them and starting a conversation, but we decided that since we know enough to know that we're ignorant Americans, we thought it better to be silent. Ignorant yeah, don't Americans. not out ourselves. We wouldn't want to do that. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about entertainment now, because really there is so much entertainment on the ship because they know that you're going to be at sea. You're not docking anywhere until you get to Southampton. We, we know we boarded, we embarked in New York, got off in Southampton. You were at sea. Uh, these trips range from, I think they can go seven to nine days, seven to 12 days, depending on the crossing. But, um, we were on there for a while and they know it. So they have really the most entertainment at sea. If you if you want to be bored and do nothing, you can do nothing. Or if you if doing nothing is what you think is enjoyable, that's fine too. But really, there's so much, and I I'll just um I'll read you the headlines from the daily program just for one of the days. So one of them say they had a, a featured guest speaker. His name was Scott Bornstein, and his uh, his shtick for his speaking was mastering your memory power, and he he, he did a series of talks where. He, they built on each other, but you could also go to the second one without having been on the first one. But it was how to, you know, memorize people's names and have quicker recall and things. And it, it was pretty impressive. He could he would just pick random audience members and ask them what they remembered about X, Y, and Z or give them a second to look at something and then recall it to him. And so he was training the audience right there. So that was a pretty good one. Um, Dixieland Jazz was one of the things, and that was uh, two performances one evening, a culinary demonstration with the joint executive chef and the chef de cuisine. So that was a cooking demonstration you could go to. Uh, they had dueling pianists, who was it was like a comedy music kind of mixture. That was good. Celebrity speaker Emma Sams, MBE. So she was um, a soap opera star of some some sort. I can't say that I watched this program, so I don't know, but. Her shows were really well attended, so um, they have some really great celebrity speakers. Uh, and then, then that day was also the captain's cocktail party. So that's just a sampling of their features. But again, this is a four-page program of things to do during the day. And um, you know, with kids, we could only go to so many of them because our childcare hours were set. But the ones we saw were wonderful. Um, That's a four-page program each day. It's different. So we would come back from dinner, and, and our steward had delivered the program for the following day. So there really is a ton to do 
and then in addition to the speakers and and um, sort of performances, uh, there's a planetarium on the ship. It's the only uh, it's the only cruise ship um, out there that has a planetarium on board. And that planetarium exists in a larger auditorium where they show movies. So if you wanted to catch a movie, they showed La La Land one night, uh, a few times actually. They showed a 3D showing of Beauty and the Beast, um, the, the recent live-action Beauty and the Beast that we took the kids to. Uh, the planetarium shows were different every day, so that we knew some people who were learning so much about astronomy, that was their thing. Every day they'd go to a 25-minute planetarium show. So really, there was just a ton to do. There was, there was never a moment where we thought, well, there's nothing we can do right now, we just need to sit quietly. Now, sometimes we chose to sit quietly, but that was because that was our choice, not because there was nothing else to do. Yeah, it's kind of an anomaly in our lives these days if there's silence. So we just would watch the waves and, hey, that's like one of God's television sets. We got waves, clouds, and fire, and on the ship you had clouds and waves. So we'd like to sit out there and watch them. And and, and really, the Atlantic is amazing. So there were dolphins one day, mm-hmm. which we watched out of the uh, the top. I don't know. I don't remember what deck the library was, is on. It was eight, I think. It was the eight. But, I mean, people were crowded around those windows because the dolphins were just jumping right along with the ship, and it was amazing. But Worth mentioning, it's the largest library at sea. They have 8,000 volumes, and it's, it's treated like a library. So you can go up there and sit and read if you want, but you can also check out two books at a time. So we found that the library was busy in the morning because people would come early in the morning when it opened. At, uh, at eight or nine and check out a couple of books to read, um, which was great. I, I will say I noticed very few laptops and tablets. It didn't, it didn't seem to me that people were working. Um, people were relaxing. Uh, we did meet a very nice gentleman from Portsmouth, um, England, and this is his 21st crossing. 21st. He's done this a yep. number of times, and he was carrying his book with him, and he said that his ritual is to get up in the morning and go up to the pool deck, sit on the pool deck, open his book, close his eyes, the next thing he knows, it's been an hour, and he gets up to go do something else. And so he still hadn't made it past the first page of his book, but he carried it with him diligently, and someday I'm sure he's going to get to the rest of it. Yeah, Chris, I hope that you hear this. That's that gentleman's name, Chris, and he was just amazing. He knows the history of the Queen Mary and Queen Mary II, and he's done 21 of these crossings. He knows all the speakers. He has conversations with them. He just stops in their talks to see if he, you know, if it's anything new, and if not, he just goes and finds something else to do, but... Uh, he's wonderful. So thank you, Chris, for being so welcoming to us. Um, and one thing I will say about this library is we've been on, a, on another cruise, and it was the library was not as large, and there were not as many people, but this place was bumping. There was people every hour of the day checking books in and out, and there are some pretty neat books on cruising or on cruise ships or on maritime things, if that's your if that's your interest, but also a lot of fiction. So if that interests you or if you want a book, there it's it's readily available. Uh, babe, you want to talk music? There are just fantastic musicians on the ship. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you'll find that across the cruise industry that um, that there are really great musicians. Uh, it seems like if you're a working musician, this is a pretty good way to do it. Um, so they had a number of different groups that, that could um, play as a group or separately. Uh, so they had a string quartet, um, and, uh, and so we would see them either as four or as independent players throughout the ship. Uh, there was a harpist who sometimes played with a bigger band, but often played by herself. Uh, there was an afternoon tea every day at, at 3.30. Um, and so one day would be the string quartet, one day would be the harpist, one day would be the, the classical acoustic guitarist. Um, and so you'd kind of get a, a, a mixture of those. Um, and then there was the Cunard singers and dancers. So those were uh, musicians in the sense that there was a quartet of singers, two men and two women, who I thought were actually really, really strong as a, as a yeah, quartet, but talented. also as individuals. Um, they, they mixed up the shows where they would do uh, individual numbers where one person would sing a solo, and then they had other kind of uh, robust harmonies where the four of them would sing together. 
Um, and then there were the dancers. I don't know a lot about dance. Uh, my my sense was that the dancers weren't as strong in their fields as the as the singers were. They might have been new. That's a, that's a lay person's um, perspective. Uh, and then they had um, kind of their their big band. So there were um, there were you know horns and guitars and drums and all that. And so what we found was you could go to big band night and get the big band sound. You could go to Cunard singers and dancers and get sort of a smattering of everything. We saw days where the harpist was there playing alongside the rest of the band. Days where she wasn't. Um, and then, uh, like and a then, Broadway style, big production. Right, right. And then yeah. their last, um, their last big show, which was our last full day at sea, they had the entire musical sort of ensemble from the ship uh, there to support the Cunard singers and dancers. And we thought that was really enjoyable. They were able to do a really wide range of music there. If we were to complain, and we would never complain about the Queen Mary two, but if we were going to, we might mention that we didn't enjoy the um, the sort of pop rock duo quite as much. They're called Amethyst. Uh, we tried to catch them in the pub one day, and um, we, I thought it was going to be two people singing and playing, and, and the gentleman did play the guitar. They both sang, but they had a lot of backup music, pre-recorded um, sounds, and they did pop songs from across the sort of UK and, and American spectrum. Um, and it just wasn't as enjoyable to watch or to listen to. So we left there and went and found the string quartet instead. Yeah, it might have been that we also went to kind of sit quietly, but I think that there were a lot of people enjoying them. It just was, it's not our taste. So, you know, that's okay. There's tons of other things to do on that ship. I also want to say that there was never a time when, I, well, first off, when I first heard those four singers singing, I said, Joe, how many people do you think are singing right now? Because the sound was so full and I was surprised when it was only four people singing so the Cunard singers are amazing and the dancers although sometimes not as coordinated I mean the energy is high and they're dancing and they're twirling and they're spinning and they're flipping these girls around in like these kind of latin numbers and they're on a moving ship which you know I can't say that the ship moved a lot but still I mean when you're anticipating the ground to be one place and it's another place they did amazing so um yeah that was an awesome part of it if you wanted to do other things on the ship that are, you know, not the traditional, you know, music themed or, you know, any of those sort of things, they also have like flower arranging. They have some cooking demonstrations. They have wine education classes and pairing classes. They do uh, formal training for certain ballroom dancing, but they also do private lessons for that. Uh, they also have um, watercolor lessons and they have a computer lab down by Illuminations, which is where the uh, movies and the planetarium are. And they they do training for people who want to learn more about iProducts, specifically about iPhones and, you know, laptops. And and I think they even have them for sale if you want them. And this is, I think, tailored towards um, maybe a generation that didn't grow up with computers because it tends to be an older crowd on this ship. But um, they tend to do a really good job, and the computer lab is nice and clean, and, you know, the It's not like the public library where keys are sticky. Like this is a pristine computer lab where you can go for some one-on-one help if you wanted it. It did seem like at least some of those classes were geared toward people who were moving from one side of the ocean to the other. So, for example, they did a lesson on how to use Skype instead of using your phone to make phone calls, which um, might might seem entry-level to some people, but if you're moving across the world and you want to keep in touch with um, your family back home, as we have just done, then it really is helpful to know how to use the, the sort of Wi-Fi calling functions of your phone rather than the, the cell network. Um, and so I thought it was really nice of them to, to gear some of those lessons toward people who are in precisely our condition. Yep, and one last thing that I don't want to forget to mention is that they have um, a lot of kind of like friendly competitions. So they have 
what they were calling bago, which we had no idea what that was. Turns out it's uh, it's either called cornhole or beanbag toss. They were having competitions on the on the pool deck, deck twelve, and then also up there they have some ping pong tables. And on the deck that's surrounding there, they have oh, what is what is this thing? Curling. They had Shuffle, curling shuffleboard. and shuffleboard. They had both of those things up there, and they had um, something like. Was it tennis or They call it paddle tennis. I have not yeah. seen it before. I don't know if it's a real sport. I hope I'm not offending the real uh, paddle tennis players out there. But it was nice because you play across a tennis court but with a paddle. And so you can't hit the ball quite as hard or as far as you would with a racket. So they were able to enclose the whole thing with a net. And so you got kind of an outdoor experience on the very top deck of the ship. Uh, but it was still in an enclosed environment where you're not going to lose the ball over the side of the boat. Yep. And then also on that 12th deck with the main pool and the two hot tubs up there, there is an entry to a golf simulator. So they'll have a like a golf competition of sorts, but then you can also rent the golf simulator if you want to do, you know, play a course while you're at sea, or if you just want to practice putting or whatever, they have that up there. And um, gosh, there's so much to do on the ship, but I think, and of course there's shopping. There's lots of shopping. If you're into Pandora jewelry, which I am now because my children get me one for special occasions. They have a Pandora shop, which really actually has fantastic pricing. And I got my little cruise ship and that was nice. And, um, anything else you want to say about that, babe? Um, um, there's also a full spa and a beauty salon. We didn't take advantage of that while we were there because we wanted to do sort of specifically ship things. But if, uh, if that's what you're into, that was, uh, that seemed like a really kind of, uh, robust, um, service that they offered on board the ship. Yeah, and to tag along to that, they had a very, very nice gym there, and um, and which which a lot of people took advantage of because you you really they every opportunity there is there is food in your face and it's it's really fantastic food it's cooked well even if it's the buffet it's it's very nice so I just you know take advantage of that walk on the deck they do yoga classes in the morning you have to sign up for these things ahead of time Pilates classes also. But you have to sign up for them ahead of time because the space is limited because you are on a ship. And, um, you know, if you wanted to get a haircut, you could. If you wanted to get a manicure, pedicure, massage, that's all there. But um, we didn't get to take advantage of those things because we just we wanted to experience a lot of the ship and not the things that we could do on the shore. And our time was a little bit limited with childcare, but uh, it was wonderful. So anything else that you want to find out about Cunard, of course, you can go to cunard.com or contact your fab favorite travel agent. If you don't have one, you can call me. If not, go to cunard.com. And um, I think that's going to wrap it up for episode two of this Queen Mary 2 podcast. This is your host, Megan Chapa, saying good night. <laughs>